Welcome to the ROTC Scholarship Podcast, hosted by former Army ROTC Professor of Military Science, Lieutenant Colonel Retired Rob Kirkland. In these episodes, we explore how to best prepare yourself to obtain one of these valuable scholarships for those applicants who wish to attend a college or university and become officers in the military. The application process can be complex and confusing. This podcast works to make it more understandable. And now, the ROTC Scholarship Podcast. Hi, everybody. I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel Rob Kirkland, and this is another episode of uh, Gain Service Academy Admission um, Consulting. And I'm here today with Captain Trish Penrod. How are you doing, Trish? I'm doing great, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. All right. So, you know, this we're, we're doing this on our traditional audio podcasting platform, but in, in addition, we've started today with doing uh, video also that we'll be posting on YouTube. So this is a new um, uh, dawn of a new era for us, where we're where we're both where we're going to be video as well as audio uh, broadcasting on this uh, on this podcast. So uh, look for us on YouTube, or you know, as you have traditionally uh, looked at uh, through the various podcasting applications like Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and uh, others. So. So today uh, we're going to uh, talk about uh, the waiver process, right? And you know, sort of, you know, this is something that we work with with folks a lot on, and it it, it obviously draws a lot of concern um, by uh, candidates that are trying to get admission to either ROTC program or ROTC scholarship or admission to a service academy, and so um, you know, we have had some Dodmer episodes, and we've talked about. Uh, Dodd Mervin the process, but the waiver process is probably the most nerve-wracking, I would say, of any of any of the processes because there's just not a lot of there's information out there, but it's a somewhat of a slow process and it's a little bit opaque, and you're not sure if you're going to get a waiver or not. And so we wanted to kind of talk to you today a little bit more and do a little bit of a deeper dive into this process so that you can. Um, Understand and this. This is based upon uh, our experience in guiding people through this process. Now, this is we are not part of Dodmer, uh, but we have studied it, and uh, we believe that we have some uh, uh, some insight uh, to give you on this that uh, you know can be beneficial. So, Trish, what's your? Um, maybe you can add a little bit on this yourself, and I know you've worked with a you know with people also on on getting through this process. Definitely, sir. It's really, I think there's two schools of thought when it comes to Dodd-Murb um, or, or people fall into two separate categories. It's either the folks who they're going to be disqualified. It's very upfront and, and they're aware of that. They may or may not be aware of that, but their conditions that they have are, hey, this is a disqualifying condition. Or it's the people that have no idea that what, what they're dealing with or what they've had in the past is a disqualifying condition. Uh, so kind of two different approaches for that. But at the end of the day, both are going to be disqualified and both are going to need waivers. So I think it's a really good thing to talk about. Right. And so, uh, so we'll get into the waiver to the waiver process, but first I think we should probably talk about, um, about the Dodmer process itself first and how this kicks off and when, you know, you can expect to go start this process. And so, First of all, DODMERB stands for the Department of Defense Medical Exam Review Board, DODMERB. And that there are folks out of Colorado Springs at the Air Force Academy. They're not affiliated with the Air Force Academy, but they are uh, stationed there. Uh, and they are a staff of, my guess is somewhere around probably 50 folks total. That'd be my, my guess. Uh, and they have, they have the, 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 um, inevitable uh, duty to determine the medical qualification of probably upwards of 10,000 applicants for all the service academies, all the ROTC programs, pretty much. And then I think there's maybe a few other um, uh, thing, people that they're, that they uh, maybe the uh, uniform health services and maybe a couple other things that they're responsible for. But they have uh, they have a very small staff that's got to get through a lot of uh, applications. So they and they have a very significant responsibility and duty 
to uh, to applicants to the service academies or ROTCs. And so if you're an applicant to a service academy or ROTC, you're going to uh, you're eventually going to have to go through a medical exam. And when does this uh, take place? So for, let's take the service academies first. So for the service academies, uh, in general, it's when you submit most of your application or the majority of your application. So for like Air Force Academy, it's when you submit the second half of the application, the military academy, when you submit the majority of the application, and the Naval Academy, again, when you submit the second half of the application. However, it's also based upon your competitiveness too. So each of the academies are going to look at you, going to look at your competitiveness of your file, as well as how much you filled out of the application. And then based on that, they're going to determine whether or not you're cleared for a uh, for this process. And the reason they do that is because running somebody through a Dodmer physical uh, and then uh, that process takes money and they don't want to send people through the process that, uh, you know, that they do not believe can get into a a service academy. So, yeah. Exactly. And, and with that in mind, a lot of people, you know, when you, when you're starting the preliminary application or the pre-candidate questionnaire, right, that's separate from what we're talking about. We're talking about you've completed, you know, you're, you're putting in your letters of recommendation, the folks that you want to, to write those, um, it's that second half, which typically happens anywhere from May, June, July of your rising senior year. So we get questions all the time of when can we submit these? You know, can I start Dodmer early? Unfortunately, you can't. You have to wait until that second half of the application opens up through the, the summer time frame. Yeah. And you also have to be competitive. Like we deal with candidates, you know, who have not been invited for a Dodmer physical. And right now at at the recording of this uh, podcast, we're at the end of September and there's still a number of candidates who have not been put in for um, a a physical. And so it's sometimes, you know, some, sometimes the wheels turn a little bit slowly, um, you know, but certainly I would say that if, you know, by the end of September, if you fill out the majority of the second part of the application, and you've been invited to a Dodmer physical, that's a vote from uh, the service academy that they consider you competitive. And if you haven't, if you've done those things and you're, you haven't been forwarded to Dodmer, uh, what would you say, sir? What would you say that the applicant can do, if anything? Yeah, I would say reach out to your, uh, you know, to your uh, liaison officer, field force or blue and gold officer. You can email the academy uh, asking about uh, your status, or you can um, improve your SAT or ACT score or other things in the application to complete more of the application to show the service academy that you are uh, a strong candidate and interested in in the academy. So, uh, so that's really kind of how you know you you do that, and you can expect to go th- go through your Dodmer physical usually between August and October, I would say, would be kind of the big window uh, when you're going to be going through this physical because they're going to be making uh, determinations on your admissions by, um, you know, by, uh, uh, you know, December, January at at the earliest. So they want to make sure that you've you've had some time and gotten through this, this at least, you know, signed up for the physical and are actually going about doing it, uh, you know, so that you have enough time to transit the process before they make determinations on admission. So the other um, is ROTC and uh, ROTC triggers uh, the Dodd-Merb medical when uh, when you win a scholarship. So that's uh, as early as October, uh, or could be as late as April or May of your senior year. So that's when it triggers. And, and I think the other important thing to understand is that if you're going for the service academies and ROTC, and you are going through the Dodmer for a service academy, say in October, and you win an ROTC scholarship in January, that same Dodmer counts for ROTC as well as the service academy. So both uh, are valid for, uh, for your medical qualification. Another really 
important point is the timeline for ha- for having that qualification status. You know, for the service academies, it's really it's a, it's a middle of April of your senior year of high school. That's when the service academies want you to be qualified so that they can give you an appointment. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a few exceptions to that, but in general, it's around that April fifteenth deadline. Versus uh, for ROTC scholarships, really, it's December of your freshman year of college. Yep, that's right. You can continue to work on your uh, waiver process for the uh, ROTC through the time you're in ROTC in the fall. And you're exactly right. Is you have to have uh, medical qualification through Dodd-Merv in order to uh, receive an appointment to a service academy. So that's a little bit uh, definitely different. You definitely have a longer timeline with ROTC to continue to transit the whole process to getting qualified. So great. So great points uh, there uh, regarding, uh, you know, regarding starting the Dodd-Merb. So Trish, what happens next? Once, uh, once you are, once a service academy determines that you should get a, uh, a, a Dodd-Merb physical or you win an ROTC scholarship and you haven't, uh, you haven't been, you know, you're not applying for a service academy, what happens next? So the service academy or ROTC will, will forward your name to Dodd-Merb. And that could take a few days for you to, to receive the email. Um, depending on what you're applying for in the portal, you might see an update from the, the service academy or ROTC program that says, we've, you know, we've sent your name to Dodd-Merb, expect something in return. So you'll get an email and they'll ask you to create a logon for uh, Dodd-Mets, which is the system that Dodd-Merb uses to schedule your appointments and to also uh, take that first questionnaire, which is ba- basically, you know, compiling all of your medical information into one location. Right. And so uh, you'll sign up for the Dodd-Mets, um, which is just basically, as you say, the, the administrative uh, uh, portion of uh, Dodd-Merb to sign up for the physical and to fill out the questionnaire. So the first thing you'll do is you'll fill out the questionnaire itself. And the questionnaire is an online questionnaire of 164 questions that are simply a yes and a no uh, for these 164 questions. And if you answer yes, you have to, usually there's a box that pops up underneath when you answer yes, and then you have to fill out uh, a little bit more uh, specifics on this particular thing that you said yes to. Um, important thing to remember with answering yes, uh, in, in particular to, in this uh, process is that if you go onto the next page, uh, there, so it's, so there's maybe five or six, maybe five or six questions per page. If you answer yes, and then go onto the next page, it locks you out. So you, you got, you can't go back and answer no. So you got to make sure that if you are answer yes, make sure that you really, um, meant to say yes and that you know that you press on yes and then fill fill that out because if you you you're not going to be able to go back later and put no in so you're you know when you you know when you're in communication with Dodd Merv you have to explain why you uh put yes down for that for that particular uh for that particular question yeah absolutely and you you also you know you can skip questions too. So if, as you're going through and you're not really sure, go ahead and skip to the next question and it, you'll be able to go back and fill that out. Uh, also really helpful to have um, all of your medications on hand, uh, the, the dates that you are prescribed them. And, and you know, so the questions are asking, have you, most of the time it's, do you have now or have you ever? So a lot of times you're, you're looking back and, and just kind of compiling all of your medical information Having your doctors, having their addresses uh, all in one place is going to make this just so much less pain, painful as you're going through the process. Right. And I would recommend that, uh, that you know, parents and uh, applicants go through this together. Don't applicants, if you're listening, don't do this alone. Do this together so that, you know, because, uh, you know, your parents know, because parents know you know, what's, what the deal is with, you know, what, with what happened when, when the applicant was younger. And we've seen the most success when parents and applicants go through it together and make sure that, um, that they, uh, you know, that they are answering it as accurately as possible. 
So uh, let's talk a little bit about um, why why is it why is this uh, why does Dodmer rely so much on this questionnaire? Oh, that's a really good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because they one they don't have access to your medical records, and that's mm-hmm. a huge misconception, right? Is with we live in the age of technology everything's digital. So maybe they have access to your medical records. No, they absolutely don't. This is all um, self-disclosure. There's a huge emphasis on self-disclosure within the the Dodmer process. And it's up to you to be honest and open with Dodmer regarding things that have happened to you and and with your medical history. Now, I mean, that's a double-edged sword, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because... You know, um, you know, if you answer yes to something uh, and it wasn't properly diagnosed, um, <clears throat> you know, you can be digging yourself a hole here that uh, you can't get out of if it was because as soon as you answer yes to something, you're going to have to prove to, to Dodmer that this condition is not valid or this condition never took place. And so what I would you know, recommend to all candidates going through this is that if you answer yes to a question, make sure that it was it's truly diagnosed by a specialist who knows something about this particular uh, uh, issue. For example, let's just say that um, that you in the past were diagnosed with depression. You know, we've seen through COVID that you know a lot of times pediatricians, uh, you know, general doc- practitioner doctors have have uh, prescribed medication during COVID that uh, without even seeing the patient, was seeing maybe the patient through a video cam or through, or their parents calling up the doctor asking for, asking for medication because the son or daughter felt sad or felt depressed during COVID. So you've got to ask yourself the question, were, were you truly depressed and were you, were you, uh, diagnosed by somebody who is qualified to give a depression diagnosis. And this, this can be spread through any sort of uh, diagnosis. So you really, before you answer yes to this, to this questionnaire and understand the impact that yes is going to mean to your medical qualification, you need to be sure that you've been properly diagnosed by a specialist who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, not your parents, not your pediatrician. I mean, you, you could very well have that condition, but until you're diagnosed by someone who is a specialist, like you said, sir, that's so important. Yep. And then the self-disclosure piece I'll just go back to is that you mentioned about, um, not having access to to the medical records, but you know, even if, you know, they could get access to the medical records. I mean, remember before we're talking about, you know, 40 some odd people, uh, at Dodmer, who have to go through 10,000 medical records, they don't have time to go through every page of your son or daughter's medical records or the applicant's medical records. If they did, it would take them 10 years to get through everybody. (laughs) And so they rely on you to be honest and to give accurate yes and no answers to these questions so that they can accurately make the decision on whether or not you're medically you're you're medically qualified or not so just make sure that you do your due diligence and that you uh disclose what is truly uh uh something that you have so that um so that uh so that the process is accurate and they can give you the proper um uh you know determination really good point so Let's say that you were properly diagnosed and um, you, you submit that information to Dodmerb. You're, you're done with the questionnaire. What happens next? Okay. <clears throat> so, um, <clears throat> so what happens next is you're going to be scheduled for a medical exam and a <clears throat> vision test. So the... the um, these are very rudimentary exams. They, they're not in-depth exams. So let's talk about the physical first. So what you're going to do is through the Dodmets, you're going to be, you're going to be given 
some times and some locations to take your physical. And then you'll and then you'll be given some times and some locations to do your eye exam. Then you'll agree to the the dates and times for these exams. So oftentimes these exams, uh, they're not mili- they're not done by military people. They're done by local civilian contractors by uh, Dodmer. And so this these times they often take place at like you know at uh, urgent care you know centers maybe a- around the corner from where you live. Uh, any it could be any doctor's office, descript any anywhere. The eye exam would take place at like a Pearl Vision Center or another you know, optometry center. It's who's ever been contracted by Dodverb to give these exams. So when they go in like for the physical, they're going to give you a check from top to bottom. And it's just going to be a basic physical exam to make sure that, you know, that you're physically sound. Uh, they're going to give you like a read aloud test so they, so they, so they, don't detect stuttering or other uh, sorts of um, issues like that. They look to see, you know, they look at your skin, they look at, you know, your body, make sure that uh, everything is sound. Uh, it's not an in-depth, you know, five-hour exam where they, where they're, where they're, you know, hooking you up to all sorts of machines and things like that. This is a, this is an exam where they're looking at basic um, things about your physical well-being. Um, but again, they're not going to be able to detect, detect that you have depression. They may ask you if you answered yes on depression, they may ask you a question or two about depression, but they're not going to be going into any depth about your depression. They're, they're just there for a basic exam. Remember, these people are GP, general practitioners. They're not specialists in any of these areas. And so they're just contracted by Dodmer to do a basic physical exam. And so that's the physical. Anything more to add about that? And you can take the eye exam because I know you. You we've dealt with a candidate in the past. You you in particular that you, you know that you can tell them some things about the eye exam. Absolutely. Um, you know, I think first off, follow the instructions and and read everything. You can say that in general for the whole service academy or OTC scholarship application process, but especially for the medical exams, you need to be paying attention to any special instructions. For instance, uh, I was working with a candidate who um, did not follow the instructions for timelines, right? For, for, for contact lenses, you have to take your contact lenses out for, um, it's either two days or, or two weeks. I can't remember which one it is, but basically you can't show up to your eye exam unless you've done this. So if, if you, you're not following the rules, go ahead and reschedule. Same thing applies for having your best day. You do not want to go to your Dodmer physical exam when you have a rash that's just popped up. Cancel that. Do not go and reschedule because you know, these things happen. You, you might have something that, that comes out of the woodwork randomly, but you know, once, if you have a candidate that all of a sudden, um, they have a weird rash that they've never had before. And then the doctor writes down that they have psoriasis. Well, that is going to be nearly impossible to get off of your record. Right. And you're going to be fighting this process of trying to get a, a waiver for it because it's a history of eczema, a history of psoriasis or whatever it is. And a history is any time that you've had it. So now what you're doing is you're, you're digging out of a hole for a waiver uh, because you have this, because you've been validated with that condition. So before you go into this physical exam, make sure you have, you check yourself out from top to bottom and make sure, you know, that, that everything is looking good. And that not there's nothing or out of the ordinary uh, that you that you see. Um, so that's and practice the practice that uh, that the the speech that you're going to be talking through, right? To make sure that you don't have a stutter, they give it to you in advance. You can see what it is. Go ahead and practice that a few times just to make sure that you're you're solid when it comes to that. Yeah, exactly. So good. So that's so. You go to your physical, you go to your eye exam, you know, you follow the rules with the, with the, uh, both, you really read the instructions. If you have a, if you're not on your best day, you cancel and then you re, um, you do a, a exam another time. You don't have to go to the exam 
that they tell you this is not military orders. You're not in the military. You are not required to do that. So once you are on your best day, you get your basic physical done, you get your eye exam done, right? What happens next? You, you, it, it, the, both of these, both of this information goes to Dodmerb at Colorado Springs. So dot, so this is when Dodmets stops, right? This is when, this is when things start at Dodmerb now. That means that Dodmets, you've done your physical, you've done your, your survey. And so Dodmets ends, meaning the administrative part of your physical and your questionnaire. And now you're dealing straight with Dodmerb, which to me, I mean, why don't we just deal with Dodmerb at the beginning? Why, why do Dodmets and Dodmerb? Don't ask me why, but Dodmerb is what you're dealing with now. So what you do is you have a person at Dodmerb, a person who, uh, who is in charge of your file. Okay, these people are not doctors. Technician, exactly, right. Technician. It's usually your particular, uh, you know, like H through K is has one person. And so you see your technician. So your technician is a person, is your point of contact at Dodmer regarding your whether or not you get qualified or not. Okay. So, Trish, what do these folks at Dodmer? do once they get your questionnaire and your Dodmer physical and your vision exam? What what do they do at this point? Well, I think it all comes down to Department of Defense Instruction 6130.03. And that's a mouthful, but (laughs) it's it's DODI 6130.03 for short. What is that? That is a massive file with all of the list of things that you you could possibly be disqualified for. Right. And some of the categories are pretty broad, right? They're not very specific because they're um you know if it's anything that falls into that category could be disqualifying. So, but it's very black and white. It's not personal at all. This technician is not looking at your at the the the, the gray in between. They're saying, "Okay, is my is that student does this student meet any of these categories in DODI 6130.03. So honestly, that's a really good place to start to see if you meet any of these criteria for disqualification, because you're going to be able to find out really easily. You know, you can go into um, the orthopedic section, you can go into the, the mental disorder section, any section that you are concerned with, right? And look through the all of the disqualifying uh, criteria. And that's where you can find out, okay, Oh, my child was diagnosed with asthma, but they had it when they were eight. And the criteria is after the 13th birthday is disqualifying. And they, you know, no inhaler, no asthma after the 13th birthday. So that would not be disqualifying because the asthma did not, was not diagnosed, was not a factor at at age 13. Of course, you're not going to know that unless you read DODI 6130.03. And that's the only thing that the technicians are looking at there. It's very black and white. So if you, you know, if you get disqualified, don't take it personally. It's not personal at all. And now at least, you know that, okay, it's time to pursue a waiver. Right. Okay. So, um, let me just back up one thing here. So let's just say that you put asthma on your, um, you know, you had asthma in the past and you put down yes. And then underneath, maybe you put a little, a comment block underneath about when you had the asthma. It's most likely what's going to happen in almost all cases is Dodmerb is going to send you a questionnaire to fill out. And this questionnaire is for many different types of conditions. And so it's going to ask you, you know, when you had your last uh, asthmatic episode, when you, you know, what, what's your, uh, 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 your, your, um, uh, you know, prescriptions were and when you had it and things like that. So they're going to be asking, so they're going to ask you for that questionnaire first. So what you'll do is you'll usually as a first step, you'll fill out this questionnaire just so they get a little bit better idea of whether or not you should, you, you're qualified or not qualified uh, under that particular uh, uh, disqualifier. So again, the disqualifier for asthma is if you have, if you've had asthma after the 13th birthday, it's disqualifying. 
you know, so they're going to be looking at, you know, when you, and that includes if you, you know, have been prescribed inhalers or, you know, pres prescribed medications. So they're going to be looking at all that. And if you, if it's clear that you, after the 13th birthday, that you've had this, you know, kind of, you know, been, been, you know, either had an asthmatic attack or, you know, you continue to be prescribed medication for this, that's a clear disqualifier. And then they're going to, they're going to issue you a disqualifier. They also may, in other cases that are maybe not, you know, exactly wholly black and white for this, they may then also ask you for medical records. So now they're not going to be asking you for your entire medical history. They're not going to be asking you for every single medical event. They're going to be asking you, they may ask you, for example, with asthma, they may say, send all, all pharmacy documentation that has to do with your asthma medication from, you know, for your entire time. So that means you're going to have to make copies, scan copies of your pharmacy records, put those in an email and then email it your, to your technician. Then your technician will then will then post those to kind of a library in Dodmerv that is your own record that Dodmerv has. And then the technician or a particular technician that maybe specializes in asthma will then look at all of that and then make a determination of whether or not you get, uh, you get DQ'd or not based upon the standards, Trish, that you talk about the DOD the DOD instructions. And, and I would say that, you know, that it's important for people to understand that the people making the disqualification on you uh, are not doctors. Although I believe mm -hmm. that the doctors do quality control check what's going on, but it's most likely somebody who's been very well trained on the DOD instruction. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's a really good summary and it's, it's really um, good. I think too, when you get that questionnaire, that secondary questionnaire, let's say you filled out that you had asthma and you get that, that questionnaire to look at the questions that are being asked on the questionnaire and then the criteria and the DOD instruction to make sure that it's very clear if possible that you don't meet the disqualification criteria within the answers that you're giving on the questionnaire. Of course, you know, you want to be truthful and honest, but, um, if you can know what that line is and say, okay, I'm to the, I'm to the left of the line, you know, that that's, that shouldn't be a disqualifier for me. Then the, you'll have a lot more confidence. Of course, you know, it's, it's always scary when, when you don't really understand the process and you just, it's, it's kind of opaque. So that's exactly why we're having this conversation today. Right. Exactly. So, so then, uh, Dodmerb is going to then, uh, make a decision on you. So what, what, so we should talk about two things. There's remedials, right? The remedials is what we talked about. The remedial is requests for more medical records, maybe an additional exam at the at the uh, request of Dodmer, where they'll either you can do it at your own cost or you can have uh, uh, Dodmer pay for it. Uh, I recommend in almost all cases that you know you 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 strongly consider doing it through your own provider if you can. Uh, you know, because if you know that this what's going to be disqualifying, you know, you can make sure that, you know, that you get seen by a doctor, you know, who is going to, you know, be absolutely sure that you're disqualified. And if you get one doctor where you're clearly disqualified and you and, you know, then you may want to go to another doctor to check to see that, you know, that that proper diagnosis was was correct so you know what i'm saying so that's sort of what um what i would say there and trish what do you have to say pile on about that and, one <laughs> yeah i mean that's such an important distinction to make between when you first get your first initial exam from the contracted out doctor you know that has to be a government contracted doctor so you have zero options but when it comes time for the remedials when you get additional medical information requests that's when you can go to your, the doctor of your own choosing, who's going to have more, you know, probably knows you and, and more invested in you and, and you have more uh, insight and control over what happens and what the outcome of that is. Right. And then, uh, you know, the doctors examining you, this, you know, your private doctor or a specialist should, un should 
you know, you should make them aware of what the DOD disqualification codes are or the, what, the, what the criteria for disqualification is. So they, they concentrate on that to make sure that they give you the most accurate uh, diagnoses of whatever condition that you're looking at. So in any event, you'll get this, either, whether or not you do it for free with a military contract or, or you do it on your own dime. You'll fill out the you know the questionnaire, and so they'll look at all of those things. And after they look at all of that and look at the DoD instruction, they'll determine whether or not you're qualified or disqualified based on DODMERV. And so now we get to the point where we talk about the waiver process because if you're disqualified for uh, for a particular medical condition, you are then going to be considered for a waiver for whatever uh, service you're applying to. And this is, this is dependent on the, uh, on the ROTC or service academies, whether or not they're going to consider you for a waiver. Uh, so it's completely up to them. And so if we talk about the service academies first, you know, I think it's important to understand that they don't even need to consider you for a waiver, even though, you know, things, even though something may certainly be deserving of a waiver, uh, you may not even be considered, right? Yeah. And, you know, it's it's really up to the admissions team to, to say, hey, we, we want to pursue a waiver for this candidate or not. And once that happens, let's say that they do want to pursue a waiver, um, that's when it goes to the, the Surgeon General uh, or equivalent at each service academy. So, you know, realistically, if you apply to Air Force, uh, Navy, and West Point, you could get a waiver at one, you could get a waiver at all three, you could get a waiver at none. So, but, but there's really no difference for you. You know, you, you're only filling out Dodmerb once, you're seeking information or you're seeking um, to provide information to those boards, those medical boards at, at each service academy, but they're all, they're all making their own determination as to whether or not you're going to receive a waiver. Right. So you think of Dodd-Merb at this point as a library. It's a library of all of the medical information and documentation that you sent to Dodd-Merb. And, that's, and the waiver authority, whether it's the surgeon at West Point or the, uh, the surgeon at the uh, Navy ROTC, Naval, uh, Naval Command, they go to Dodd-Merb and they have a link to it and they electronically and they look at your medical documentation that's in Dodmerb to determine what, whether or not you should get a waiver or not. So the waiver authority may then also send you information through Dodmerb asking for additional medical information. So beyond what Dodmerb asked you for. So they may be interested in having more information. Like, for example, um, if you had asthma after the 13th birthday, Dodmerb will disqualify you in general and will not look at the severity of asthma after the 13th birthday. They're just interested in seeing you have asthma after the 13th birthday, you're disqualified. However, a waiver authority is interested in knowing, okay, even though you may have had some asthma after the 13th birthday, was it severe and how long did it take place? For example, if you had very, very minor asthma and it stopped at the 14th birthday, then that indicates to the waiver authority that you have don't probably don't have asthma anymore and that you didn't have to use a, a, an inhaler and that they don't have to worry about you and that they, they'll grant you a waiver versus maybe somebody who has been using an inhaler all the way up to when, you know, to the present day and is current and is having asthmatic attacks uh, as they're going through the waiver process. So the waiver is more nuanced. The waiver authority will send a message through Dodmerb or a letter through Dodmerb, oftentimes asking for more information in order to determine whether or not someone should get a waiver or not. And I think the other thing, Trish, that you pointed out, I think that's very important, is that this is needs of the service. I mean, this is, you know, what could be wavered off last year may not be wavered off this year. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, when I was a professor of military science in 2008, this was in the middle of the Iraq war, uh, the army ROTC was wavering off things that they wouldn't waver off now because we needed officers in the army. And so 
things that may get a waiver net last year that you may read on a uh, on a discussion board or wherever you get it may not get a waiver this year. Uh, one service, as you said before, may grant a waiver for something, whereas another service uh, will not. For example, color vision. The Navy's very, very. Uh, 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 they're tough. not going to waiver. They have tough. They're not going to waiver off color vision uh, deficiency versus Air Force, which will waiver off uh, a color deficiency. So different services treat it in different ways and treat the waiver in different ways, depending also on the on the needs of the service. So it's important to um, to understand that. It's also critical to understand that not only is it different between service academies, it's different between Air Force Academy and Air Force ROTC. You could get a waiver for Air Force ROTC, but not for Air Force Academy. So realistically, you know, if you're applying to all five service academies and all four branches of ROTC, you could be up for nine different waivers for the same thing. You know, you could have nine, up to nine different authorities that are processing or thinking about, okay, are we going to offer this candidate a waiver or not? Right. And they are on different timelines and they are offering different rationale uh, to the waiver. Uh, and you don't know if you're going to get a waiver or not from, from any of these. Uh, you know, let's take, for example, a service academy. A service academy has a lot of um, discretion uh, with waivers, uh, you know, say, for example, for an athlete. An athlete who is being heavily recruited may get a waiver for something and may be considered for a waiver that a regular applicant isn't considered for. Certainly a non-competitive candidate for a service academy may not even be considered, but you will be told by the academy that you are being considered for a waiver. So if you're going through and you've you've been disqualified for Dodd-Merv and it's, you know, December, January, and they haven't put you in for a waiver, uh, it's most likely since you haven't improved your SAT scores or other things in your application, that should be an indicator to you that you're not, that they're not going to be considering you for a waiver and that your the admission to the, the academy is zero. You know, that's yeah, absolutely. That so, mm-hmm. but then on the other hand, you know, you could have that Ar- Army ROTC scholarship or in, you know, off the January or March board, they look at you for that waiver after you've done that, and then you get wavered off uh, for that particular issue in March, April. And so you're medically qualified for, you know, off of a waiver for ROTC scholarship, you know, and you would have for the service academy if you had been competitive for it, for an admission to a service academy. Because the reason why the, the service academy is not going to consider everybody for a waiver is because they don't want to inundate the Surgeon USMA or the Surgeon Air Force Academy or Naval Academy with hundreds of waivers. They just don't have the time to do it. They want to give the waivers to the people who are competitive. Yeah, and also to to folks who, you know, thinking long term about the services. What is going through that 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 medical professional's mind at West Point? Okay, is this person going to be able to deploy without extra? you know, attention on their deployment. Uh, is this person going to end up with a service-connected disability at the end of their their service? You know, these are all things that are are going through uh, the surgeon's mind when they're making that decision. Yeah. Yep. And so the advice we can give to you is make sure that you give them all the pertinent information regarding this, regarding the your condition so that the waiver authority can make a decision. So this would be, uh, you know, medical exams from your doctors, uh, notes from your doctors, and, and you can just send those to the uh, to the uh, to the to your Dodmerb technician. Will then post them to the site so that when the waiver authority goes into the Dodmerb site and takes a look at your medical records, they have everything that they need to make that decision. Now, this decision could take. A very very short period of time, or it could take months, depending upon the number of, of waivers they're considering the, and the complexity of your situation. Let me take an easy one for you. An easy one would be if you have astigmatism that exceeds eight diopters. The military in general, or the army, 
West Point or the uh, Army ROTC automatically waivers off the 10 diopters. So that's going to be really quick. You should get a waiver decision on an astigmatism pretty quickly. Another thing, another examples, uh, and there's many ones, and we won't go into the details today. This could take months because you know, they, the, the doctor, the, the surgeon may not have enough information to make a decision. It may be an exceedingly complex problem. Uh, there may be, it just, there just may be all sorts of factors that cause uh, the surgeon to, uh, to not be able to render a decision immediately. So, you know, I know that, you know, it, when we deal with many clients, there, there's, there's, you know, they want the decision right away. And, and unfortunately, it's just, it's really difficult to get a quick decision from uh, somebody in, uh, in, in this situation, because frankly, they're inundated, you know, with waivers. And, and, you know, for ROTC, for example, you know, when I was professor of military science for Army, they're not just wavering off. They're not just looking at waivers for people who are seniors in high school. They're looking at waivers for freshmen and sophomores in college, you know, who are, you know, kind of on campus and going for medical qualification. Uh, so, you know, these people are, you know, have a significant uh, duty and responsibility here and a lot of, you know, people that they're considering. So, so it's going to take some time now. You mentioned Trish earlier that the that the academies have to get this decision by April in order to determine admission because if they if you can't get medically qualified off a waiver, they're going to you know have to go on to their you know to their waiting list and they, they want to make sure that they have these decisions uh, quickly. So it's to your advantage once you get that once the academy tells you that you you know that you're going to be considered for a waiver, get your medical documentation together. As a matter of fact, if you know you're going to be disqualified. You know, you can anticipate your disqualification and get your medical records together so that uh, so that when they consider you for a waiver, you'll be they'll have all the information they need to consider consider you for that for that waiver. And definitely don't wait till the fall of your senior year of high school to complete to complete your application. Right. You, you're, you know, you're going to be disqualified. You have a good understanding that you will turn that in early, you know, submit the application in July to start the process. Right. The more time you have, the 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 more the 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 more they're going to consider your your. They're just gonna you you just you build yourself more cushion. It's not, I'm not saying that you're going to get looked at for the waiver, but if they if they are willing to look at you for the waiver, they're going to have more time to consider it. You know, rather than trying to go down to the last minute. Remember that most appointments are given out for the service academies in January, February, and March. So you don't want this waiver process to be dragging through the spring because they're going to go on to other people and offer admission to other people. And, and unless you're a very, very highly qualified candidate, you know, they're, you're likely going to be left behind with this process because they're, you know, if they're continuing you to consider for a waiver, they can't you know, they, they've got to, you know, get commitments from people and, and it's going to be difficult for them to, you know, kind of hold you, hold that slot for you. So, sir, uh, yeah. for folks out there who are going to be disqualified, they already know, or maybe they're wondering whether they're going to be disqualified. How can we help them? Yeah. So, um, you know, we uh, help, you know, people guide them through this process. So, you know, even though we kind of walked you through it here, you know, it's an exceedingly complex process. Uh, there's a lot of different agencies that you're working with. I mean, our the clients I that you know we we work with clients through any sort of uh, wherever they are in the process, and you know we a lot of times we get we get people who have been going through the waiver process, and that's the point that they approach us at. And I would tell you that. You know, if you can approach us before you start the Dodmer process, that is the best time to do it because then we can talk about, you know, about how to approach this Dodmer process before you fill out any sort of questionnaire, before you uh, get your medical exam, so that you understand this process. And, and we go into this with our eyes wide open. But, you know, a lot of times we'll get approached uh, when a person's going through a waiver and we can help you in any part of this navigation process to kind of just give you kind of that extra set of um, eyes, uh, our opinion based upon what we know about the process in, in order to help you kind of navigate that uh, that well. Because, you know, the Dodmer folks are great. Uh, you know, they have a lot of really great people there, uh, mm -hmm. you know, 
And the way, so in general, uh, you know, your, your, spe- your, your, your uh, person who manages your Dodmer file is responsive to you. They have that uh, deputy head of Dodmer, Larry Mullen, who's, you know, very responsive to uh, emails and things like that. So, you know, they're willing to answer your questions, but, you know, again, they have, you know, hundreds of candidates that they're dealing with, and it's difficult for them to get into specifics. In particular, after you're wavered, after, I'm sorry, after you have a disqualification and you go to the waiver authority, it's pretty much radio silence at that point. You're not going to be able to reach out to anybody at any of the waiver authorities to get any sort of status. If you go back to Dodmer, Dodmer is simply going to tell you that you're waiting on the waiver. And so they, they don't, Dodmer does not have any influence on the waiver. The waiver and, and Larry Mullen and anybody at Dodmer will tell you that the service is the person that is, is that they make these decisions and it's based on needs of the service, your competitiveness of your file and many other factors that they have no control over. And so that's the answer you're going to get. So this is sort of where we step in, I think, to kind of, you know, talk to you a little bit more about this. Talk about, you know, get your chances of a waiver, uh, you know, what we think you should do and, and the steps that you should take. So that's really, I think, what our you know, role is kind of, you know, just another set of eyes and ability to kind of be able to give you a perspective on the entire process. And a lot of, you know, a lot of parents are just so at the end of the, of the process of working with us, it's like clarity. That's really what we give. We give people a plan of action mm-hmm. and a way forward through the disqualification because that's, it, that's the scariest part is, oh, I'm disqualified. What does it mean? And mm-hmm. walking through that process together can be really reassuring. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, yeah. So, you know, so, you know, please, you know, reach out to us if you're, you know, interested in, uh, you know, learning more about this. And, you know, we certainly hope that, uh, this, uh, this podcast episode was helpful to you. We'll post the DOD instructions and then also post the 164 uh, questions you're going to get, uh, from dot from and the medical questionnaire. So you guys, so you all can see what the standards are and what the questions are going to ask you. So you can get a really, really good idea of what uh, what the standards are as well as the questions that are being asked. So I'll post that in the, uh, both on YouTube and in, in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, podcast, uh, app. Excellent. Well, until next time, sir. All right. All right. So good. So looking forward to it and uh, we'll see you next time, Trish. Sounds good. Thanks for listening to the ROTC scholarship podcast. If you like what we're doing, please leave a quick review. If you have any questions or want more information about ROTC or our consulting services, please visit our website at rotcconsulting.com. Take care and we'll see you next time.